0: If you haven't heard or seen this rendition of Space Oddity, I would ask what rock you're living on. But it has been viewed 41 million times on YouTube. Of course, it is Space Oddity, uh, sung in space by Colonel Chris Hadfield, which I am very excited to say joins the program right now. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, glad to be joining you. How are you today?
0: Uh, a little bit thrilled. I'm not going to lie. I interview tons of people every every day. I'm talking to some really interesting people. But this is definitely one of the highlights uh, for me, and I know a lot of the listening audience. So you've got us, Giddy. I do appreciate your time.
1: Well, it's very nice of you to say, and you say which rock you've been living on. With, with, the third rock, I believe, <laughs> you've been living this whole time.
0: Absolutely. So uh, speaking of this third rock, you have just recently said that uh, the federal government should take seriously the potential of Canada's space program, and you don't want us left behind as other countries, you know, try and race off this rock. Do expand. Uh,
1: well, there's been a couple big changes recently that that are important. One is uh, our our ability to leave the Earth has has radically improved, or at least it's gotten cheaper and safer, uh, with some of the work that SpaceX has done and um, and. Blue Origin is doing so. That's one. If you, if you get a new mode of transportation, like like a steamship or a car or an airplane, it, you you need to think about how that's going to change opportunities for business and for people. Um, the other is uh, our our computers have gotten so much smaller, and our understanding with what we've done in the space station has got so much better that we can get things to space uh, that are a lot more capable and, and a lot tougher. And so there's great opportunity in both those areas for Canada. And uh, NASA and the European Space Agency and the Chinese Space Agency and the Indian and the uh, Russian, all of those space agencies are are putting as their next opportunity, their next place to not just visit, but to go stay orbiting around the moon and eventually to the surface of the moon permanently to stay. And so there's great opportunity for Canada. And we've made the right decision in the past uh, with, with our history in space but it's it's definitely time to decide right now, and so I think it just need to to be highlighted and uh, the people that we've elected need to make the right decision
0: there's a lot to focus on uh you know spaces is it's it's very large to say the least what what does Canada focus on? Where do we decide to to put that funding
1: um well uh you know, we were third in space in 61-62 uh, when we launched our first satellite, and that led to the formation of, of Spar Aerospace, you know, a multi-decadal, super successful company. And then we had, that led to us building the Canadarm for the space shuttle, which then led us building the huge Canadarm2 in the International Space Station, uh, telecommunications, looking at the world with our radar satellites. We've got a lot of areas that we do better than anybody else on the planet, and so I naturally, we should focus on those. We we should pay attention to the artificial intelligence that's behind it, to the uh, robotics that, I mean, and it's not just robots on the space station, but that same technology gets used right through industry, it gets used for robotic surgery, um, and then telecommunications. I mean, most of the uh, broadband stuff we get delivered to the more remote parts of Canada, it's all coming through our assets that are in orbit around the world, and of course, you know, GPS and weather forecasting and when you go to the ATM, all that stuff, you know, it, it all comes through space. So we, we just sort of don't think about it. But but there's lots of opportunity: robotics, artificial intelligence, telecommunications, and also understanding the world better. You know, our, our remote radar satellites measure the health of our planet, try and understand the Canadian North and the entire planet together better. So it's it, it's kind of a, a straightforward thing. But I, I know the government's busy, and they're doing a million different things, and they've got everybody pulling on them. But um, but since the other countries are deciding right now and making commitments, this is the moment for us to decide to be part of that group. And uh, I hope everybody does the right thing.
0: Does it help that the transport minister is a former astronaut?
1: Uh, it's not his call. Um, Mark's a, Mark Garneau's a super capable guy, of course. Uh, he had a Ph.D. before he um, was hired as an astronaut. He flew in space three times. Mark's been one of my role models for my whole adult life, and I really respect the public life he's, he's followed. Um, but the question really comes down to the highest leadership in our government. It comes to the Minister of Science you know, and Technology, that area. And, and um, of course, they know about it, and we've been talking to them about it, but... But, I mean, we, we put it on the back of our $5 bill. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's how definitive it is for us as as a country, as a people. And so I, it's, um, it, it's a pretty important time not to inadvertently just let it slip by.
0: Yeah, we're possibly missing the obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, of course... It's also a two and a half billion dollar industry in Canada with like ten thousand high tech jobs. So, so that that's a pretty important side of it, also.
0: We're speaking with Colonel Chris Hadfield. Um, I understand that the states are looking for investors in the Lunar, Lunar Gateway program. What exactly is that?
1: Uh, well, part of the question is how good is our technology now, and and what can we do with it? Where can we go next? What what can it teach us? What can we learn from it? What's the best application, and. Uh, The space station just celebrated its 20th birthday yesterday. Um, We've learned so much about how to operate off the world. I mean, we left Earth permanently 18 years ago. People have been living there for 18 years. So we sort of forget that in the daily fabric. But we are now a spacefaring species. We have left Earth permanently. And so uh, NASA and other countries are, are going well. Obviously, the moon's only three days away. It's the next logical lily pad across the pond um, and, and eventually getting you know to Mars and beyond. And so uh, that's the next destination and first put something in permanent orbit around the moon and then eventually get people living for long periods on the moon until eventually just as improbable as Antarctica seemed 100 years ago until the moon just becomes part of the moon Earth system just like Antarctica is a big part of, of our understanding of our own planet right now. So that the purpose of that, that uh, lunar gateway or whatever NASA wants to call it is that getting that next toe hold a little further out in the solar system and doing it internationally, doing it with Canada as a big part of it so that the money that we spend stays here inside the country um, and gives us membership on board.
0: Well, Chris, how much of a threat is Trump then to that decades-long space partnership with the U.S.?
1: Oh, uh, I don't even. know Not how to, to put assess you that. in the hot
0: seat or anything.
1: Well, I, I, I don't know how to assess that. He, he, um, you know, he, he's the elected leader of another country. He's making a bunch of decisions. He, he's spoken um, and supported what's going on with this with the space program right now. He thinks uh, the moon should be part of it, but it, you know, it's only very slightly his call. It, it's, it's the will of. The U.S. people, what NASA does—it's the NASA administrator who was up here in Canada last week. What he recommends to the government—you know—they have to all, the various houses have to vote on it and such. So it's—it it should be a battle every year. I mean, we shouldn't just spend money if we don't think it's a good idea. Um, but it, it, it's a battle that that, you know, needs to be fought, needs to be discussed, and. And uh, and every year since the late late 50s, the United States has decided, yep, we should be doing this. And every year since 1961, Canada has been heavily involved in the space program. So, I, so I uh, I think. But we're we're at a threshold again now, a decision making point where, where um, where we need to make sure that we, we have a membership ticket on board.
0: You were the commander of the International Space Station, and I want to just backtrack here. You said that yesterday, you know, it celebrated its 20th anniversary. Now, I know you have your ability to connect with those guys. Was there a call, you know, like an anniversary call up to the space station? How did you communicate with them? How does someone that used to be the commander celebrate that?
1: Oh, well, there, there were lots of calls. Uh, the the crew, There's a crew of three up there right now. And, in fact, uh, there's a Canadian who's just about to leave Earth and go up to the space station, David Saint-Jacques. Um, I was part of the team that helped select him as a new astronaut nine years ago. He's been training every day for nine years, learned to speak Russian, learned to be a pilot of a Russian spaceship, and he's about to get into it on December 3rd and, and fly it up to the International Space Station. So uh, I was I was more celebrating with David than I was the crew on board. But, yeah, I mean, the crew on board, there's a German and an American and a Russian right now, and they were celebrating it and sending messages back to Earth. So yeah, there are lots of people honoring the anniversary. But, you know, that, that's just looking backwards. What's really more interesting to all of us is looking forwards, you know, the next 10 years on the space station and where that's going to lead us in our understanding, you know, uh, what lies beyond our atmosphere and further out into the solar system. So it's a really nice benchmark. But you know, it's just getting started.
0: Well, I was going to ask you if you miss living in space, but since you say looking forward, let's look forward. You said that Mark Garneau has been, you know, a role model for you. Do you have any plans to run for office in the future, Chris?
1: Oh no, I do not. No, I, I you know, I served the Canadian government I, uh, as a officer in the Air Force for 25 years, 10 years with the space agency. So I've already been a public servant for 35 years. So. Um, that that's a big portion of my life I, I really enjoy the mixture of things now i i teach at the university of waterloo i work with schools i work with the creative destruction lab trying to promote technology here in toronto i re- had the big show at generator at roy thompson last week talking about ideas there's a lot of other ways i think to be a a contributing canadian citizen than to be an elected official i i have lots of respect for people that step up to be politicians it's a big ask and almost nobody thanks you but at the same time uh I've sort of pulled on those oars for 35 years, and and I like uh, the the things that I'm involved in now.
0: A lot of worthy people inducted into the Canada's Walk of Fame. December 1st, you get your opportunity to get into that uh, Walk of Fame. What does that mean to you, Chris?
1: Uh, it, it's it's I don't know of anybody who ever, when they were a kid, say someday I'm going to get on the Canada's Walk of Fame. You know, it, it's more a symptom than a destination, and it's a huge honor. I. I'm, I just have been doing the things that I thought were worthwhile and important and and of interest to me my whole life. And I've tried to do them as well as I possibly could. And, and then to get a call from folks saying, hey, along with, you know, Leonard Cohen and, and some terrific Canadians, the head of Doctors Without Borders and some some great entertainers, some of our really good athletes, we're, you know, we're all getting recognized mutually as having contributed so much to the fabric of Canadian society. To me, that's just, it's a lovely honor. And my my, my mom and my dad are uh, insufferably proud. It's really nice.
0: I bet they are. I mean, just another reason you give them to be proud. You know, when you, you think of the name Chris Hadfield, I think we all think, what a success story. You were at my alma mater earlier on this week, because you're always giving your time so generously. Uh, you were at Ryerson, and you were talking about how early success is a terrible teacher. Early failure is what you want. We're actually going to talk about failure later on in the program and how that actually leads to success. But maybe you could expand on that, you know, before you go here.
1: Yeah, um, I think people, you know, they focus on, um, on success, you know, uh, imagine success, think about winning. Um, but the reality of life is you lose most of the time. Things don't turn out the way you want. Life is harder than you would like um so it's nicer i think i think it's healthier if you can accept that at the outset recognize that most of your best laid plans are, are going to go go awry and and accept that that's okay in fact when things go badly that's like when you're learning to ride a bicycle if somehow you get 15 meters without falling over through luck you haven't really learned much until you fall a few times and then you realize oh okay this is how a bicycle actually works um and And so, I think you just need to sort of plan for that. Try and do it when someone's still holding the back of your bike if you can when they're when they're, when they're, the threat is low um, you know before you 're riding a bike on a tightrope or something, if I can stretch the analogy but um, i I've been through many, many failures and setbacks in my life and and haven't done a lot of the things that I dreamed I would have a chance to do but meanwhile i've had some tremendous times and done some things that that um, that are right on the edge of what I could have imagined too. So I, 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 uh, I just, I don't want, people shouldn't have false hopes, nor should they be too surprised when things don't go as planned. Accept failure, plan for it, and, and realize that that's the time you learn the most um, in the pursuit of the things that are most important to you.
0: Chris, uh, I want to wrap with this. You know, a lot of people, you are a hero to them. I, I was, you know, obviously very nervous at the beginning of this interview. And like many people that have met you in the past say, oh, you know, I I, I love Chris Hadfield and I was so nervous. And then I find out one of the most amazing things about you is you're so completely down to earth. You uh, were talking to the folks at Ryerson about uh, comic books, in fact. And so yeah. I wanted to touch on another hero uh, beyond you that other people looked at, and they felt that he was a bit of a superhero himself. Stan Lee just passed away, away the uh, creator of Marvel Comics. Is there a, a favorite um, Marvel uh, comic character that you'd identify most with?
1: Oh, as a kid, I loved comic books. I mean, I liked the, the comic book heroes that were exploring space. You know, the fact that Superman came from... You know this this distant planet and had this other pedigree that allowed him to sort of be a normal human, but also have a deep reserve of talent that he only brought out those talents when he really needed. Uh, yeah, just all of all of uh, Buck Rogers, which predates uh, predates Stan's contributions, I think. But I, I always I love the fantasy of it mm-hmm. because it allows you to imagine things that don't exist yet. You know, it, it allows you to have a bigger horizon than the one that you're confronted with every day. And, and if, you, if you limit your imagination to the horizons that are in front of you, then it's really difficult to, to make a significant change in, in who you might be someday. So I'm all for, uh, for reading right on the edge of science fiction or, or comic books or movies, uh, but then having a look at, at how you can deliberately change yourself to become a little more like those people, those imaginary people that you're idolizing. I would love to be Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk doesn't even exist, but but it can still be a role model. Or Captain Picard, depending which one you want. But they can still both be a role model in, in helping you choose what you're going to do next in life. And to me, that's the really important thing. And what Canada chooses to do now, I think, will, will affect a generation or two of our capability in space. So I'm really hoping... Uh, Hope they're listening today, but also hope that they take the responsibility seriously.
0: Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate your time because I certainly have been as greedy as I could with it. You have yourself a fantastic afternoon.
1: You also nice to talk with you and have a good afternoon. It's it's sunny, but cool. have a good day.
0: Cheers. We got the uh, forecast from Colonel Chris Hadfield. You've got to love that.